0: But actually, if you think, if you're asking me on a day-to-day level, what do I mean by being a linchpin? I mean that I try to go to every job that I've ever been in and lead from the bottom of the of the ladder, and that's kind of to connect three things together. So we're talking about being humble, having some humanity about you and being generous and if you're in the middle of that little triangle Mm -hmm. this is my dad talking really sadly that's very sweet but if you're in the middle of that triangle you're indispensable aren't you welcome to the protrusive dental podcast the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals
1: join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry clinical tips continuing education and adding value to your life and career with your host jazz gulati Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me on another episode today. I'm very lucky to be joined by Zach Kara. He is a fantastic dentist. Let me tell you a story about Zach. I was a prospective dental student for Sheffield. I went on the open day for it's dental school, and Zach was the president of SUDS, which is the the dental society, and he gave such an amazing speech. Um, you know, his his, uh, his presentation was just very inspiring to me as as someone who wanted to study dentistry Uh, and not only did I say to myself uh, at that time while I was sat in that lecture theatre that I want to be like this guy or I want to definitely study dentistry here at Sheffield but I said to myself I want to be president just like this guy. So you fast forward like, you know, four or five years uh, and I followed his footsteps and I still tell him, you know, all the time I see him that look, dude, it was you who inspired me to go to Sheffield and it was your footsteps I was following. So I was totally honored to have Zach on today. The way it worked out with Zach coming on uh, the podcast was I actually invited him to the West London Dentinal Tubal Study Club. Because Zach is someone who's um, very passionate about the way we communicate with patients. Uh, He teaches me a lot, Uh, he's one of my mentors and so I wanted him to share his knowledge with uh, the study club members and he gave a fantastic evening to us, Um, it was a home run. And now he's hopefully coming to a study club near you, a dentinal tubule study club near you so please look at your local study club timetable I'm sure Zach will be hopefully coming soon to, to speak about topics such as what he's covering today which is how to be your team's linchpin how to communicate effectively how to think comprehensively that's what today's about. We recorded this together in a room in a quiet room at the tubules uh, leaders congress that we had in April so the vocals might sound a little bit different to what you're used to uh, from my usual podcast. Today's Protrusive Dental Pearl is a fantastic one it's about using a UV torch that you can buy on Amazon uh, and it can be used to light up Invisalign attachments or any composite bonding um, if you're trying to demarcate where the composite finishes and where the tooth begins. So I'll include a link to where you can purchase this or the one that me and Zach have basically Zach sent me a link very kindly shared it with me Uh, and it's it's very cheap and it's fantastic. I've used it for my attachments now and uh, it's just so so useful to see where your composite is. So the rest of the producer dental pearl will be embedded within the podcast. So today we're talking about all sorts from how to communicate longevity to patients what are the important questions that we should be asking. We also discuss what is a linchpin what does Zach mean by when he says linchpin Uh, and he shares some valuable insights into how to lead what he calls leading from the bottom as you heard in the introduction there. The importance of uh, helping your team to see the bigger picture empowering them and I'll be commentating uh, at various points throughout just to, to signpost you. You can read more about Zach on my website www.jazz.dental and also hopefully I'll have a few links as to the next study club dates that he's running. If you haven't already please like Protrusive Dental Podcast on Facebook because I'm sharing a lot of my uh, content through there and sit back relax and if you're driving or if you're doing if you're having a workout in the gym I hope you enjoy this episode uh, I learned so much I always learn so much from Zach but this is full of amazing gems communication clinical you name it so thank you so much Zach for doing this for us here we go okay so first we discuss about how to communicate to people how long something will last longevity and what's what are the right sort of questions to ask how to set expectations correctly the know, best of no, no, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and something that Lincoln Harris wrote the other day,
0: yeah.
1: um, in, in his, one of his write posts, yeah. is when you've got a, a battered tooth, okay, and you're doing that debate, should you RCT and crown, or yeah. should you uh, extract an implant? Yeah. Okay? He, he phrased it really well. He said he to the patient, the money that you would spend, yeah. how significant would it be to you if you spent all that money and it didn't work? Are you really going to miss that money? Yeah. That's one thing to ask, which is yeah. quite interesting with yeah. you to, to p- like pitch it. I, like, I loved it, I, mean, I start using that. Mm. And the other one was um, how important it is for you to have that tooth. And that's how you decide. So if someone says, you know, I'm on my, I, I haven't got much money, then it's probably better to remove the tooth And uh, and and also, will you be how upset will you be if you were to lose that
0: tooth? General conversation, I love that one, and I love a similar conversation along similar lines that I've started to have in the last couple of months. I really have started to do, and I think it needs to be done more. Is that when people are asking about different material options, and we're talking about composite veneers or edge bonding or whatever, my main question back to them is not to answer their question, but just to ask more questions. Mm. To say one of the main ones is how long are you expecting this to last? Yeah. That's, that's and a great in, one. And in what condition would you like it to look in 10 years? That's really good. And if they go, oh, is it not going to last forever? And that's they, your, and they that's almost, your, almost do that, yeah. right? And your first, your, you know, your first conversation at that point is to go, OK, we need to slow down and rewind, because both of us need to understand exactly what's uh, what you're, you're likely to achieve from this uh, X, Y, or Z treatment. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really get that. And then when you discuss that in more detail with them, and they say, you know, in what way might it fail? And then I explore that in more detail and you kind of say, okay, well, this composite is a way of gluing something to the tooth and the edges join at some point mm-hmm. and that join is always the weakest part of the structure. Um, and we might find discoloration and it might start to chip on the edges and it might not look the same gloss and finish. Yes, there are some dentists out there that will um, build into their routine examinations a, a way of um, polishing and, and refining and regularly reviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The truth is that you know most of them, most of them don't, most of them don't, um, and most patients think that they are going to last with the same finish. Rate. Uh,
1: that, that, that's why I think the way you ask it there
0: about yeah.
1: how long do you expect it to last, you can then set the correct expectations from yeah. the get go.
0: And then also they then at that point it kind of play that game in, in the mind like we all do of pitching yourself at a certain point of the market and you kind of go okay well you could have this for 400 pound a unit or you could have this for an 800 pound a unit or whatever you charge your fees, ceramic veneers and you kind of go okay you can double the fee but actually you might get double longevity or more and you might get fewer episodes of repeat dentistry Mm. required in that period of time Mm -hmm. and if you're somebody who's uh, particularly averse to having dentistry done let's be blunt and honest and most people don't love coming to the dentist i don't say it like that to my patients but you know most of them tell me that without even asking that's nothing wrong with that exactly and if you want fewer repeats fewer reasons for more dentistry to be done. That's really what you're weighing up yeah. when you're deciding in, and you're helping a patient consent to a procedure, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 I
1: wonder if that conversation is being had in all those practices where the whole composite veneer boom is
0: happening. Is it bollocks? <laughs> is it bollocks? Honestly, I have that conversation with people all the time and I, I actually had a patient who had found um, an Instagram dentist come in to see me the other day because she wasn't happy with the midline discrepancy that she had ended up was with. Was it a cant? It was canted So over. easy to cant, right, when you're doing composite veneers? It was inclined over by probably adding know, guesstimate 15, 20 degrees. Wow, significant. Like that. significant. That's significant. And, um, and you know, we were discussing replacing it was two.
1: It was to her right.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah. Right-handed right right dentist. dentist. Yeah. And, you know, incorrect pos- chair positioning. Yep. And I've seen this with the undergrads which, uh, where I teach in Portsmouth, that, you know, because you're not as refined, and I find that so hilarious where on so- social media it, they, they often pitch with their sales pitch, you know, because they're trying to present themselves to other dentists as, I can do this kind of work, but they're also trying to present themselves to potential patients. Mm-hmm. So they say things along the lines of, it's very important that you find an experienced dentist to do this. Mm. And actually, if you were to drill down into that, Let's be really honest, guys. You've done this five times or less, probably, and you're trying to build a portfolio. I get that. I mean, I don't think you need to tell patients that I'm building my portfolio. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the open, one of the secrets in dentistry that we should be more open about, and it's the same across all of healthcare. We are all practicing. Yep, it's a practice it's of dentistry. Totally okay to say we're all practicing, and you know this midline on this patient was so obviously canted, but I also had to step back and, and ask her, how long were you expecting this dentistry to last? And she said, I was told, that's that's it. Isn't that it? Yeah, Well, she, she probably wasn't told anything, but she, assumed. she left the assumption. She assumed. And she thought, oh, this is cheap compared to stra- uh, ceramic veneers. Mm-hmm. I've heard back in the day that you need to have bits chopped off. These are non-destructive. Mm-hmm. Again, are they really? I mean, genuinely, how many times when people say, oh, they're totally non-invasive, and, and Minimally invasive dentistry is so brilliant. Yeah, Don't get me wrong, it's really clever. Mm -hmm. The stuff we can do is clever, but the fact is when you try and take ceramic properly bonded off of enamel, which has been properly etched, properly isolated, it's really hard. And you can sit there with a the scalpel for an hour and not. get Well, it same with
1: composite. Off. When you're trying to remove a uh, composite when it's been well bonded, it's not easy. It's you hard. It's The saving, that the thing saving off. grace is all that coffee and wine they drank over the years <laughs> well, around year yeah. the edges. That's oh, a, by the
0: way, fluorescent torch. You know that one? That I oh showed yeah. How's it, it working? I'm working amazing. Okay. You have to turn the lights off in the build in the room, <laughs> building. <laughs> Switch the main power <laughs> off in the room. You have to turn the lights off. You close the blinds. You turn your loops light off and you just turn turn it on. So I had my nurse just holding that torch the other day. But you're you so.
1: You got the torch, but can you see where your handpiece and your yeah. diamond is? Yeah. Yeah. So that that top tip there from, from, from Zach is to is to buy a recording. Yeah, we're gonna call it a, 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 today's dental pearl <laughs> is is from Zach. Zach, can you just explain
0: what you've done and what you've discovered? Uh, so what I've discovered you make me sound like a nutty professor. <laughs> uh, I um, was talking about fluorescence of composites with I think it was with you or somebody online, and um, Uh, you can find a fluorescent torch on Amazon. Um, It's actually used for identifying uh, uh, pet stains. Uh, I shan't say much more. Or mammal stains. (laughs) uh, As they used to in cribs, right? Yeah, exactly. No, was it in
1: cribs, though? Where was it? Um, When they inspect each other's houses? Yeah, exactly in (laughs) cribs. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so, yeah... um, you can essentially use that as your your light instead of your loops light or your you know your main overhead light uh, and it shows up composite on tooth mm-hmm. really, really effectively. But so, obviously
1: for not for those composites that don't fluoresce, obviously.
0: Yeah. But, but, most, of, but them, most, most, have most of them most composite to them do. some degree. Even the ones that, that market themselves as, you know, the, the ones that don't show up in clubs, you know, good <laughs> day, <glow, laughs> day glow composite veneers. Um, but they all have some amount of fluorescence in them. I use um, for my, for example, I was using it for uh, removing some attachments the other day, just making sure all of my composite was fully removed. Oh, that is so useful, just and for attachments. I even. use Genial Flow for my um, attachments, mm-hmm. uh, universal. And it shows up amazingly, amazingly. And you can just use so my finishing protocol for removing attachments from uh, clear aligner treatment is uh, tungsten. So the bulk of it's with uh, a relatively coarse diamond. Yep. Then a tungsten when you get closer to enamel. Is that the the latch grip tungsten? Uh, tungsten? Like no, no, it could um, be yeah, okay. In a turbine. Okay. Right. In an ideal world, electric handpiece, but yep. in this particular surgery, I don't have a, an electric handpiece, so totally. <gasps> I know, God forbid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so low brow right now. Uh, and then um, when you get to the final refinement, um, either scalpels um, or a. Um, or enhance enhanced polishing comes mm. from Dentsply, mm-hmm. which is great because um, you just can see that trail, that dust trail around the margin yep. of the attachment where it's bonded. And then if you turn the fluorescent torch on, you can see exactly what's left. And this thing, this is, this is what I love about finds like this, because it's non-dental. Yeah. So the thing was about 25 quid. If that was dental branded, oh, that's like a £280. There's rate.
1: the new Cara uh, fluorescent torch <laughs> coming out, which, <laughs> Available which is, uh, which is uh, um, CQC compliant. It's uh, £4,000. <laughs> Uh, plus fat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus fat. So everything's plus bat, yeah. Don't tell Pav. <laughs> Don't tell Pav.
1: Pav. <laughs> Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app Absolutely nothing. We worked so hard on this protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode.
0: I don't know quite where I read this, but something along the lines of, you know, if you think of the most basic and the most day-to-day kind of jobs, we can lift, we can hunt. And then a bit higher up the hierarchy, you might be able to grow something, produce something, you might be able to sell something. Mm -hmm. But actually in healthcare, what we're doing is we're connecting people together and we're creating new things, you know, partly in the artistry of what we do and the skill of you know, a very intricate procedure that we might be providing for somebody who wants to achieve X, Y, Z goal. Um, but if we're connecting and creating people, we're very valuable. Mm. And so you are a linchpin. And actually on a on a day-to-day kind of level, I know this sounds all a bit fluffy, but actually if you think if you're asking me on a day-to-day level, what do I mean by being a linchpin? I mean that. I try to go to every job that I've ever been in and lead from the bottom of the, of the ladder. And that's kind of to connect three things together. So we're talking about being humble, having some humanity about you, and being generous. And if you're in the middle of that little triangle, mm-hmm. I don't, this is my dad talking really, sadly. Oh,
1: that's very sweet. That's plagiarizing.
0: Very nice. But if you're in the middle of that triangle, you're indispensable, aren't you? Because mm-hmm. you're humble. You don't sing your, uh, sing your own song all the time. You're generous with your time. And you give you're very happy to share your knowledge and at the same time you're you've got humanity about you and you're you're believable and you're sincere about what you do you're indispensable and that's actually what what a linchpin is all about that i'll give you an example about five six years ago i used to work in a practice on the south coast um a chap who has basically built a brand had built his own brand from scratch i started as an associate dentist mm-hmm. i was under the impression that it was a five day a week job it wasn't it was a one day or two day a week job But because I had no other commitments at the time and I was insistent that I was going to build my own list of patients and prove that I could do it, partly because I knew I would be doing my own thing at some point in the future and I wanted to learn along the way, I sat there all day every day and I twiddled my thumbs a lot. But I spent a lot of my time working out how I can be the linchpin. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the open fact. There was some days when I'd sit there and I'd be the server guy. I'd be sitting upstairs with the server, fixing it. And not because I'm IT expert, but because it costs money for the company to send in an, a, a, a microminder or whatever company they were using at the time um, to come and fix a problem. Now, that <laughs> I made some errors. Don't get me wrong. I remember once absolutely ruining a, net, a network connection port and then having to learn how to rewire a network cable. Um, <laughs> so there's things that you can do to be the linchpin. One of the main things I learned to do is work out how to attract the right type of clientele for the kind of treatment that you want to do. We made some mistakes. We'd done things in the past like Groupon, Mm -hmm. Groupon vouchers that were a horrendous thing. You know, bringing the masses for fifty quid or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. thinking you know, trying to provide a treatment that's actually worth ten times that. But on the way, I also learned that you can attract, and this is one of the things that I have really harnessed in the last two or three years: is social media. A lot of people will poo-poo it as oh, Facebook people, all my my face patients who come from Facebook, all time wasters. Well, are they? I mean, in my experience, they're just normal people. they just, yeah, the They're public. just you and me, they just Average. you and me. They walk in the door Average. and they're expecting a certain thing. The thing that you've done wrong by attracting, inverted commas, Facebook people and then thinking that they're not the kind of clientele for you is because Facebook people aren't necessarily buying you or buying a service or uh, wanting to have a new dentist or a new experience at that time. They walk in the door. Commodity. Yeah, they're often. Yeah, if you're pitching yourself as buying a product, you can buy this product of me, or have these lovely 10 composite veneers for however much you charge for it. The, The reality is, you'll get the wrong crowd because they'll think they're walking in the door buying that product. And actually, they are entering an experience where they can buy you and your team and your skills and your personality and all those things. Um, So now, actually, the thing that we do, which works great, is that when people find us from Facebook through a particular kind of flow that we've put together, there will always be a conversation with me on the phone before we start. And it works amazingly because I've built some rapport on the phone.
1: That's a gem right there. We need, we need to highlight that this is a real... I, well, is I, it? I don't know. I like it's it. I, I don't do it. I didn't do it at the moment, but I remember a couple of times where I have done it yeah. through accident because a patient wanted to have a word with me before the appointment. Oh, I'm coming from all the way from North London. For my, I'm considering straight my teeth. Uh, what do you think? And those have been some of my best patients at the
0: moment. I don't know. Do there is... there is um. There's different ways to look at it. You, it could be argued, actually, that's not a job for a dentist. That's a job, that's a role for a, a treatment coordinator. But uh, nor is fixing the server. So what, what, what I drew away from
1: all the lovely things you said there is that you you can do all sorts of various things. And just because you're the dentist or the associate, doesn't mean you dissociate yourself from from other areas where, which you know involve hard work. Do everything to the best, best way you can, train the staff even when the principal is not looking to, to, the, to the best that it can be uh, and, and you will reap the rewards in the long term, I think that's one thing to, to, to get from that. And the other thing I got from what you just said there is, free time is not to be scared of. Just because you don't have any patience on that day, you're not working that day, that's when I think you've come up with some of your most creative and best ideas,
0: right? And the other thing is that, you know, we uh, we were talking about empowering your team and systematising aspects of your life to make comprehensive uh, dentistry work for you, is that it is all about um, helping the rest of the team understand the picture too. Now, you can't approach a team member who, sadly in this country, in the UK, we really um, don't necessarily value the rest of the team members, and I I mean actually in terms of monetarily, Um, so a lot of Therefore, a lot of the team members that you will in, encounter, particularly in the first few years when it's not your practice necessarily, uh, are people who come to, to work to do their job. It isn't their passion. Actually, I think something like 80% of, of, of us yep. are either in a, in a position where not us, by the way, of people, are in a position where they're either walking to work and they actively hate it, or they're just in the 60% who accept it. Yeah. And it, to be to get people, pull people into this bracket that we're in, where we're really passionate and we love what we do, it's all about helping them see the bigger picture. So one of the things that I, in addition, used to do with my spare time there is empower the rest of the team by putting together um, flowcharts. Oh yeah. So, for example, we had a system. Uh, I'm not sure if they still use it in this particular practice, but I've carried it on ever since. Um, a system for how to handle the patient who walks in the door late. I'll give you an idea. Cool. The first thing that we do is that the receptionist who um, uh, who receives that person late will always start with a really non non-judgmental approach, and they'll say something along the lines of, we really, begin- oh, nice to see you. We're really beginning to worry about you." Um, we thought something must be wrong, so I was actually just about to call you because it's really unlike you. You know, if you've met them mm. lots of times before and they've walked in the door, the chances are they're walking in quite flustered, right? You don't want to make them feel even more small and, you know, even more insignificant to you by kind You're of-
1: saving face.
0: Exactly.
1: I don't know if you've read this book called Influence. I haven't, no. Oh my God, it's fantastic. It? Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll have to go back and, and put the put authors in We need to a reading list, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we need to put <laughs> a reading list together. But one of the seven key things that you can do, or seven or eight key things you can do to be influential, it's one of them is saving face and what you're doing is by saving face for that person when they're coming in
0: uh, it's you, you become influential to that person as a practice. So that's I really like that little tip there. So you know the next step after that is to say um, They tend to say something like let me send a message to um, the team in, in the in the treatment room to see if we can still see you Safely today and deliver your care without hurrying so what you're doing at that point is to help them acknowledge by being late it has an impact on what you think you are going to uh, receive today or what you might still receive. So what we have done as a team prior to this in our morning meeting our daily huddle is that we will have talked about whether an appointment particularly a treatment appointment a lengthy appointment is a fixed appointment or it's a flexible appointment meaning on that patient's treatment plan if for example all brown stuff hit the fan and i needed to abort treatment Uh, Or do something else. What would I do today if I could? Mm -hmm. Now some things you just can't. It's the last thing on the treatment plan It's going to take an hour and a half to do it safely. I need that hour and a half Therefore if they turn up 15 minutes into the appointment You have to ask yourself. Are you going to therefore put everybody else back by 15 minutes? You're going to work 15 minutes quicker and stress yourself out Receive your patient's problem on your own shoulders or are you going to tell them openly and frankly it'll be really important we reschedule this appointment because it won't be possible to do the treatment that we need safely.
1: And the patient wants that. You know, when you've got your, uh, a turbine running and they've got a vision of you over, there, over their face, that's, a, that's, that's music to their ears to do something safely and I think that they can really rationalize that. But
0: it. you can't do that with the wrong type of patient. So step back a bit, we're talking about a patient who's probably three, four, five, 10 appointments down the road with yeah. you. Um, you need to have already gained their rapport yeah their trust. That's true. They need to get you and they need to get the fact that this guy's actually really cares about what he does and he's got attention to detail and he won't just you know finish a restoration and bite together. Does it feel okay? All right, see you later. I actively, even if it looks lovely straight out the bat, out of the out of the gate, um, I will actively spend an additional few minutes on polishing, refining, shaping. I'm talking the patient through this when I do it, so that next time when they come, they appreciate the time and the attention to detail that we're putting into something. I'm not acting; I'm actively polishing this filling. But if you don't, you know, put it into words to help them see what you're doing, they just think you're taking ages over it. Oh, I took ages that today. No, no, it didn't, because it, everything had a, everything was in a sequence. Everything had its steps.
1: Me and Zach then shared about how I like to start every new patient examination something I learned from Ian Buckle at the Dawson Academy is to signpost it and the way I'd say it is the secret to success is to be thorough in what you do and so credit totally to uh, Ian Buckle for teaching me that one is it sets the tone the examination so that's what we're discussing at the moment it triggers everything off it sets my system into play my nurse then knows exactly what questions I'll be asking next. Zach then had this to share, which highlights the importance of checklists and how to communicate your comprehensive care to patients. And patients really love it, because you know what, I do think I am extremely thorough,
0: yeah. and I always, I'm sure you, your patients I, tell you. I used to say, I'm sorry to interject, yeah. I used to say something along those lines, but it only works for some types of, uh, of patients. Some people get it, and some people might go, oh geez." It, I used to say... So when I do um, my examination process, if we're going on to an ortho analysis, um, I always have my assistant call out various parts of the checklist, and I actively say to them at certain times, um, as you probably worked out, we love a checklist. Mm. You know how aeroplanes don't fall out of the sky? So important. It's usually because they've done a checklist. But obviously with recent times and things that happen in the media year and aeroplanes and, and that don't <laughs> you fall out of the sky, <laughs> it the can airplane. come across a little wrong, so be careful. But um, yeah, I, I actively explain that we love to do things by the book. And that's also one of the reasons why comprehensive care, I worked in a practice for a couple of years, um, again, down on the South Coast um, and until not long ago. And one of the main things I picked up from there is that a two-stage comprehensive examination mm-hmm. makes total sense. First appointment, information gathering. Second appointment, okay. follow-up discussion. These days, which I really love, we combine it with their first hygiene visit. Wow. Because that second time when they come in, they're actually receiving something. Mm-hmm. You can even bundle it as part of your new sort of patient package, if you like. Because there will still be people that resist that and go, oh, I don't need a hygiene visit, or oh, I don't really like those visits, or whatever. But you're insisting that every part of everything you do is comprehensive care, well you actively need to recognise and have a patient recognise straight off out of the gate that we're doing in the dental surgery, the the, the dental aspects of things and the examination side of things and the preventative side of things goes hand in hand with that. Mm. You can't opt out of it and Mm -hmm. if a patient opts out of it then I'm really sorry to tell you we're not the right type of practice for you and we need to as a team empower the front of house team to be saying things like that. I don't want every patient. I tell my team, I don't want every patient. I couldn't care less to treat everyone in, in Bournemouth. I That's my team to.
1: huddle now on Monday. I'm going to actually say exactly what you just said there. Sure. Uh, I think you need to make it clear. And, and I have done this a few times where we, we don't want the the kind of patients that bring morale down for the entire practice. Yeah. We're, we're, we're good enough practice that we, we, you know, we get, we've got raving fans and I know you're a big fan of, of, of the whole getting raving fans and then the way you say it and that, that's, that's great. Um, so we, you know, that's a, one thing I'm gonna implement as well on Monday morning. Uh, so what we've just covered there is um, we're gonna go through some communication gems, but mm. um, I've, to, I've told you about the, the Dawson and that, you know, the secret of success is to be thorough in what you do and you used to say to them, buy the book. Now I'm gonna just um, debate with you why I don't, I like a lot of things what you said, but I don't like what you said there about doing things by the book, because I've done it a few times, and the way I perceive it now is that when I say to a patient, oh, it's good to be by the book, that then almost insults the previous life choices they made True. on dentistry, because they think, oh, perhaps they weren't by the book, they mm. were dodgy. That's a negative thinking, whereas if you say that, be as thorough as possible, then like they walk away thinking that, okay, this is thorough, the other ones were just less thorough. It like wasn't nothing wrong with them. I like that. So that's an, uh, just. A
0: it also justifies then the further conversation that often happen. I, I tend to tend to talk about my magnification an awful lot with patients. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, actively because they usually they look at you and they're like, I've never seen those before. What what do they do?
1: I do so it I can that. see five times bigger. Yeah, uh, I, I, I try and bring in some of the you know the what's that the um, the, the wolf and the what's it called? All the more to see you there. What big what big eyes <laughs> you have? Little red riding. So with
0: children. Yeah. Funny, You're so funny <laughs> right. uh, but that's not me but you know everyone, everything <laughs> you do infusing with your personality yeah.
1: I then share a gem I picked up from an ENT doctor that I, I share with Zach mm. This one I learned from a recent ENT visit that I, I myself went to mm-hmm. Okay, uh, There's a lump at the back of my throat, I thought I had cancer, I was a 2 week wait, pathway and whatever nice. I went uh, and I saw this lovely doctor and he reassured me there's was n- nothing to worry about, it was just some, some sort of benign cyst Uh, And at the end of it, he said, is there anything left unanswered? I like that. And I've nicked that one. And now I pretty much, like like at the beginning of my consultations, I say, uh, the secret of success is to be thorough in what you do, from learning from Dawson recently. Uh, At the end, I say, is there anything left unanswered? The reason is because I used to say, do you have any questions? When you ask someone, do you have any questions? It puts them on the spot, they have to then think, and then they sort of be like, no, it leaves in a negative tone. Mm. They've had a challenge right at the end. If you say is there anything left unanswered it's easy to say no but that no is is easy to say and it's like um, you know what he answered everything they leave
0: with that positive note that everything Mm. was answered maybe I'm a bit more I really like that Actually, I might plagiarise that thanks yeah it's it's a great gem. maybe I'm a bit more fluffy I, I tend to say something along the lines of have you got any thoughts or worries that's also cool because I think one thing we do miss is that uh, it, it, hap- it hasn't necessarily a question, but it's just a thought, you know, and often it, it will spark a nice positive reaction from somebody and they'll go, yeah, my main thoughts are really looking forward to getting this done. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool, so am I. I can't wait to see you with whatever, you know, whatever outcome you're looking for. Here are a list
1: of cringeworthy things that we hear in practice.
0: It makes me cringe when I overhear some things in dental practices, right? One of the main ones is, shall I just squeeze you in for a quick checkup? Mm-hmm. It puts the fear of ed- everything into me. It makes me shudder because, shall I just squeeze you in for a quick checkup? It isn't necessarily the dentist saying that, but it's maybe a team member saying that. Um, it to me says the complete opposite of everything I stand for in dentistry. If I go to an optometrist and I want something done, like we were saying, safely and without hurrying, and I want attention to detail, which is everything I stand for in dentistry, I would never squeeze somebody in. I can't do Attention to detail, dentistry. If I squeeze people in between other people, because the, who's going to suffer? Either the person receiving that treatment or that that uh, assessment, or other people around them, mm-hmm. and that's not fair to those other people. No. And that's not what we stand for as a team, because we don't keep people waiting as much as we can physically avoid it, right? Um, so instead of that, maybe some people like this, some people won't. But I've worked in practice before where we call them comprehensive health checks. Mm-hmm. I worked in a practice before where we call it a healthy mouth review.
1: Okay, so that's like well, they've had their new patient examination, they've been through a round of treatment to, to, to get them healthy, and then from then onwards, yeah, it, it's be, not a recall, it's a healthy mouth review.
0: Maybe now's a great time to tell you about something I picked up a few years ago, and this actually works mm. for everything in your life. Beautiful. Right? Um, one thing that, uh, one sort of system, if you're not sure about how to phrase something, one of the things I use a lot is uh, it's called a benefit procedure. Feature statement. Now, okay, go with it for a second. Okay, yep, now this yep, sounds yep. incredibly complicated and mm-hmm. doesn't really need to be. But um, if we say to somebody, uh, if you explain to somebody something that they, you think they're not going to um, be terribly keen on, so for example, you need a crown on that. That makes me really cringe when someone oh, you need. I I teach the um, uh, undergraduate clinical tutor for the undergraduate students in Portsmouth one day a week. And I often say, because they're not very refined with the words that they use, none of us were at the start, you need a crown on that tooth. Instead of that, how about so that we minimize your risk of X, so Mm -hmm. that we minimize your risk of this tooth, I'll be showing them a photograph at the time, from breaking at some unforeseen time, it will be important that we protect these weak corners of this tooth. Can you mm-hmm. see how these corners of this tooth are all very thin? Mm-hmm. And at some point, every time that you're biting on it, the tooth is flexing slightly. At some point, it's just going to pop. And, when and these
1: it, are usually patients who, who've experienced that already. A distolingual cusp of the lower seven has already chipped. And it's usually these patients and they get it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they will kind of go, oh, yeah, it did happen when I was on holiday last time. And you'll go, you know, and you make this personal to them. And you explain, you know, there are pros and cons of all dentistry that we do. It could be argued that this very big filling that you've had done several years ago is coming to the end of its lifespan. And again, you're reinforcing in them that they appreciate that every bit of dentistry that we do has got a lifespan, because nothing lasts forever. And I, I'm very upfront and frank about you these things be. when I talk Absolutely. to patients. Um, it will be, in order to, So let's go back to what we're saying. So that, so that we minimize your risk of this, the weak corners of this tooth breaking at some unforeseen time, it will be important that we protect the weak corners, and I recommend that we place a crown on the tooth. As you've experienced before, a crown is a bit like having a lid on a jar. And the reason why we do that is so that we've got a complete bacteria seal all the way around the edges of the tooth that meets at the gum line. Mm-hmm. At the same time, every time you then bite on this crown, I might be showing them a model at the time or showing them a picture on my iPad, some of and, my portfolio and, and Different
1: people learn differently, yeah. and it's important to, to give them the models and to, to feel that onlay or that mm. crown in the hand. A lot of people will mm. then get it. Mm. From that.
0: If you're very, very skilled as a communicator, you'll be using subtle clues uh, and hints in the in, in the words that you use that go along with uh, or fit in with that person's learning style. So, if they're an auditory communicator, you might even be using words like "it sounds" if I. It sounds to me, or if I'm hearing you carefully, that's you really remember. good. Yeah. If they're a tactile person, maybe I don't know, they're a pianist or something like that. You might well just give them the model in their hand and let them touch, let them play, let them feel, let them understand that you know this is very clever. Oh, was that three D printed? Oh, we can put yeah. this on top. And can you see how the tooth underneath is protected? If they're a visual learner, graphic designer, just Photos. get your iPad out and, mm-hmm. and show them pictures of your work. Um, and
1: this is not this is not sales. This is definitely not sales. This is like if you have a patient you've just root filled their molar and their, you know and it's it's going to it's going to break because it's got these uh, weak buccal and platel walls maybe it's missing a palatal that, that tooth actually does need a crown okay let's yeah. just face it it does yeah. actually need a crown but what you're saying is that you know it's not a great way to communicate that you need a crown even though that's actually what they need yeah and we've all had some patients who you've done that root filling on and you've told them they need a crown or you've advised a crown you've recommended a crown and they haven't gone for it yeah. okay and it breaks your heart mm-hmm. not because you you don't get to do more dentistry, you don't get to cut more, because actually, on your own tooth, on your family member's tooth, you know that by the book, that's what they need. and you,
0: You need to help your patients make the right decision. And the question, the conversation that we regularly have is a decision between proactive or reactive dentistry. And I, I'm very upfront about patient uh, with patients about that sort of thing. And the way I reinforce it, just briefly coming back to this yeah. benefit procedure feature, we've done the benefit so far, benefit. which is okay. minimising your corners, risk yeah. of, um, of breaking Fracture. the tooth. Yeah. The procedure is okay. it will be important we protect it. So uh, protecting the weaker corners mm-hmm. of the tooth by placing a crown on the tooth, that's a bit like having a lid on a jar, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then the feature of that is addressing this proactively will mean that we've got a much lower chance of... Uh, the same thing happening as what happened on holiday, you know, mm-hmm. when that tooth broke at uh, an unforeseen time. Or uh, one other thing I talk about a lot is that we could deal with this reactively and wait for it to break, but in doing so, none of us can predict exactly how much tooth structure is left. And it may be that a crown at that point isn't suitable, and in fact, it could also be this tooth is not savable.
1: Yeah. So
0: benefit... Were, um, okay, so talk, just go through it again. What's the, what's the actual so It's called a benefit procedure feature. So essentially okay. the just benefit to the person okay. is we're going to minimise your chance of it breaking. The procedure is we're going to put something pr- strong and protective on the surface. Describe that in whatever way you like. Mm-hmm. And the feature of that is by doing it proactively, by addressing this tooth proactively, what we'll find is that we can, actually predictably, um, uh, we can predict exactly how much structure is there. Yeah. Whereas if it happens at a reactive time and you just walk in one day and you've just waited for it to break, that's one way of dealing with it but also what will happen in doing in explaining things this clearly to your patients is that you will acquire a patient cohort around you who do proactive dentistry mm-hmm. which is correct healthcare yeah. and i'm really sorry to say this 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 bluntly but most of us for fear of looking like somebody who overdiagnoses wholly underdiagnose mm. it actually makes me cringe the number of times that i am supervising one of the fifth year students who are about to be dentists and they can't diagnose caries to save their life And what I mean by that is please put some loops on, look at amalgams in your patients' mouths. If you see grey halos around them and margins that are failing, you will find that that isn't, you know, most people go, oh, that might be amalgam shine-through. We don't necessarily need to intervene with it. Okay, rewind a bit and look at the whole picture. Look at the caries' risk of that whole mouth. It's much more likely, is it not, that actually that amalgam margin's failing. Mm -hmm. And if you remove the amalgam, you're going to see a stained ADJ. What's sustained ADJ? It's caries, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. right? People just go, oh, you know, oh, that tooth broke because it was, uh, it was, uh, you bit down on a hard olive stone. Did you heck? <laughs> did you heck? You did not. You waited for it to soften, and lo and behold, when you bite on something several times a day, so a thousand times a day, and it flexes, it is going to break at some unforeseen time because it was already carious. Yep. And it, you know we should be doing much more protective, proactive dentistry, particularly on heavily filled teeth. Unfortunately, we're all products of our education, we're products of our experience. And if you've got yourself into a mindset over the years that you think that's normal mm-hmm. for teeth to break at some unforeseen time, that's okay by by, by me, but that's not healthcare to me.
1: Yep. yep. If so that's then, your
0: decision, that's okay. But to me, it's not it's not my decision for most of my patients.
1: I, I very much agree. But when you when you're being proactive and when you're being comprehensive uh, and you're you know you could easily then come up with a much bigger treatment plan for a new patient than when they saw the dentist down the road mm-hmm. of course you've done you've been very comprehensive and you're recommending treatment that they actually I, in, my, in my opinion i think that you know you're being you're doing the right thing in terms of healthcare the, the right way mm. can we talk about how you present this suddenly much larger treatment plan than they've been used to so usually they've been used to perhaps mm single tooth dentistry. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's bust, let's do this, this one's bust, mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And now you said, okay, you need um, a root canal and a crown, but you, do, you wouldn't say it like that. You do mm-hmm. you the, it in, in the lovely way that you explained. But then, of course, by the way, that you have seven behemoth uh, amalgams that are, are gonna break amalgams. there. They're starting to leak. Um, they, you know, you've got some staining here. You've got some hygienists get some uh, periodontal cleaning. Obviously, explained in a patient-friendly way. Yeah. So now, suddenly, they, they, they've been used to this single tooth dentistry, and now they've got Finally, they found a comprehensive plan mm. Some patients get scared away and I've mm. seen patients come to us because they've gone somewhere and presented a 30-40,000 pound mm. plan mm. And they've come to us and mm. then we've managed it a certain way Essentially is to break it out in chunks, mm. you know how you would advise doing it But what can you advise about not to scare people and maybe maybe patients? I hope they don't think this but I'm sure they do that. Oh that dentist is trying to fleece me um, he's now told me I need all this work. Okay, whereas before I didn't I had no idea about this. So how do you deal with that? Zach?
0: If I'm reading between the lines everything you're talking about is is, a, is touching on lack of trust. Yeah, so my approach to this is building as much trust up front as you can and then being as on their wavelength and actively listening to them along the whole process and what I mean by that is that at the start, as we were explaining before, I would have talked to that patient on the phone beforehand to gather what they're actually interested in achieving. And we open the door to our clinic to people who get us to some degree before they've even walked into it, right? So if a patient's found us because they are, they've been recommended by an endodontist to come and see us or something, which happens once in a while, uh, they might say, okay, um, so-and-so has said that we, there are lots of teeth in my mouth that might need addressing." Cool. Well, at that point, they've already opted in and mm. they're expecting something. Yep. Whereas if they've walked in the door and said, oh, I just need a second opinion. I've been up the road and and, uh, and I think they've just they're just trying to over treat me. To be honest, I, I just want a second opinion, of opinion to make sure that this is right by me. Then what we're doing at that point is justifying the systems that we have by being as upfront and clear with them as we can by saying, okay, so everything that we do is based on a foundation of, of trust. It isn't for everybody, but what I do for all of my patients is that we take a full set of high-quality photographs, we take any relevant x-rays, or we, you can more than happily bring your x-rays from previous your previous practice if you'd like a second opinion, um, and we can discuss those things. So everything that I do is about discussing in a um, step-by-step kind of way. We've talked about a conversation beforehand. Their first visit would be information gathering, and that's an hour's visit to talk through their history, to really gather what they're about. Are they really trying, what are they trying to solve? Mm-hmm. I've broken a tooth down here. Is it that you you wouldn't like, or you would be unhappy if other teeth in your mouth were to break at some time like that? Yeah, actually what I want is, is to, to fix anything that could go wrong. And I want to work through this step by step. And then I might say to them, Are you, is your feeling on that that you'd like to do that straight away? Or you'd perhaps like to work through an order of priority? Everyone will say an order of priority. But you've established at that point that the patient is saying to you, and you're establishing a relationship to say, I'm not in this for a five minute fix. Yeah. I'm not in this to just blitz your mouth and fix all these behemoth amalgams. I'm actually here because I'm going to work through them in a safe and logical sequence, like I would for my family. Mm-hmm. And as cringeworthy as it might sound to some people, I talk about what I would do for my family members a lot. And you know, it could be argued maybe, is that coercion? No, I don't think it is. I think it's just my maybe it's the fa- sincerity that, for me.
1: That, that, that's true, but maybe where that comes from, Zach, is about that We do live in a world where maybe patients don't trust us and then that's a way of gaining trust that actually I would treat my family. We shouldn't have to say that, but we we do. We do. uh... So Zach's actually done some expert witness training and I love what he had to say about show you're working out. This is a very, very good way to think about it and some analogies at the end for rubber dam dentistry and patients with limited mouth opening, which I know you will love.
0: When there's medical legal cases and things that have gone wrong, it's always to do with the fact that you either didn't communicate it in a manner that was palatable for that person. Perhaps you were rushed for time, you were a bit offhandish, maybe things didn't just turn out as planned. Or maybe, like we were saying earlier on, you've been let down by the rest of your team. So think comprehensive. Are you in the right practice and are you doing the right kind of work for yourself? And if not, design how you want it to be and build it. Um, and then the second aspect of this things is that often people don't show they're working. So you remember in GCSE maths, we talked about the fact that <laughs> uh, you get nine marks for showing your working and one one point for the answer? Mm-hmm. You need to do that in your notes. You cool. need to do that in your thinking with your patient as well. Justify your decision making. That's by a saying,
1: really cool way to think about it. Show your working out. That's show your working for your yeah. for your maths. Show your show your diagnoses and how you've come to that and rationalize it in the notes. Yeah
0: yeah and then that you know when you show patients photographs on that second visit so we haven't uh, we said that the first visit is information, information gathering yeah. and then the second visit is that uh, they come back for a discussion visit which is literally nothing in their mouth whatsoever in my treatment room but they will look at photographs with me look at their x-rays and I'll talk them through and you've seen my my sort of um, treatment plans which is part plagiarized from Corai Fran thanks very much um and <laughs> you know it's partly some of his way of doing things it's partly some patchwork from Panky. But it's it's, you. It's me. It's you. It's it's everything that's evolved over the years, but it's partly visual. I, for example, just get my iPad. I can't recommend enough getting an iPad Pro, a massive screen, and I will have drawn on their photographs of their face before they come in and of their teeth, things that they can then see and look at, see what I'm seeing. I need okay. that in my life right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't recommend it enough. It was a thousand quid or whatever it was. I use, that there's a massive like LCD TV. <laughs> I, <laughs> on your I, I use an app called PDF Expert, which is amazing. Okay. And all you do is you literally drag and drop things into it, and you can draw around it, and That's you can just demonstrate. A, does
1: it come with like a stylus or a pen or?
0: Yeah, the Apple the iPad Pro comes with the Apple pencil, doesn't okay. it? And obviously, you get suckered into buying all of the Apple yeah. products and stuff, but. Uh, if that's to, when you're if Tim to it, Cook's yeah. listening to this. Then you should send me some freebies, yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> cool. So you're presenting the plan, and the, and then what I was really getting to is sometimes the way I do it is I uh, this is for someone who needs lots of quadrant dentistry. Let's call it okay, mm. and I and I break it up into quadrants. Mm. And I say okay, we start with the upper left, mm. and then we can go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Every two three months, every six months, you know, depending on your budget, mm-hmm. we can go like that. Is that is that a good way of doing it? That, that's one I like, way I, do. I like
0: that. I mean, ultimately, there's. If you've got a uh, treatment plan where there's practically, let's say, posterior teeth in every quadrant that needs addressing, then the way that I work it out with the patient is to say one method here is to treat um, every tooth as quickly as we can, in which case I'd recommend that we address the four corners of your mouth independently. Um, It may be that we start with something relatively simple, say the upper left of your mouth, there's only one tooth that needs to be dealt with up there. at that point, you'll understand a bit more about the systems and the methods that we use, which might be a bit different to some of the dentistry you've had in the past. We use this blue rubber sheet. What that does is it protects your mouth from... Oh, so you've got such new technology, oh, dentistry's come <laughs> such a long way in the last,
1: uh, since the last went to the dentist. Oh, isn't it
0: modern? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what we use is blue nitrile. woo Welcome to, the, to 2019. Uh, yeah. So we... We do this to protect your mouth from all of the water and the spray, and do you remember when you had fillings and stuff before, it's a bit like a wrestling match in your mouth? Mm-hmm. We don't do dentistry like that here. What we like is to get the most predictable results, we need a controlled environment to work in. And it also makes a better environment for you because you can swallow and breathe and sort of chill on your side of the blue drape. And on my side, we can remove all the silver metal stuff, remove it from your mouth, clean the tooth perfectly. And here's the main thing. Mm. If you had a broken tile at the bottom of your swimming pool, you'd have to drain the swimming pool to fix the broken tile the glue that we use in dentistry works exactly the same. We can't put it in under a puddle of water.
1: That work. is a fantastic analogy. It's far better than my one, where <laughs> I say, dentistry is like painting in the rain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: painting in the rain, okay. Well, there's little gems like that. I use one similar to that, like we're talking about decorating. Uh, I stole this from somebody. Uh, thanks if you're listening. Uh, I use use the, uh, you know when you've got a very small opening, limited mouth opening patient, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they open and you're like, open as wide as you can, well, and you're thinking that's as wide as you can, Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say it's a little bit like wallpapering the hallway through the letterbox. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll say as big as you can, give us the biggest stretch you can, just for a second. It's a bit like wallpapering the hallway through the letterbox at the moment, and you know things like that can soften the mood, soften the tone, be as humorous as you can, and and just be yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other analogy, things we're talking about analogies that I use all the time. If we're talking about how to this, systematise this treatment plan to help them accept it better, the first part of my written treatment plan for everybody is phase one prevention. And we break that into two steps. The first step, I word it like this, realistic changes that you can make to your day-to-day life. Awesome. So what I mean by that is realistic, what that tells them is everyone can do it, it's realistic. Um, changes, meaning that there needs to be something that they do at home to your day-to-day life. And it's every day. I don't mean once in a while, I mean every day. And it's listed. Frequency of sugars, carbohydrates and acids in your diet. Teeth cleaning in between your teeth, using electric toothbrush, blah de blah blah So I'm telling them point blank, these are the things you need to change at home, and here's here are the professional hygiene aspects of things. And in your initial course of treatment, it might be that we recommend that you might need two, three or more visits over a period of the next six to twelve months. For some people, it's difficult to know exactly how long you might need or how, how long Tash might need for her visits um, because we're just getting to know you. But the more we get to know you, the more you'll appreciate um, exactly what we're trying to achieve and what's possible in each visit. And it might be that you take a little longer because, I mean, this in the nicest possible way, as we've established last time, you don't have the biggest mouth opening in the whole wide world. So mm. seeing some of your back teeth might be more difficult than yeah. some others. And they get that and they go, OK, so I can see that you're faced with some challenges. Yeah, OK, now we're, now we're starting mm-hmm. to get this, right? Well, now we're starting to sing off the same, uh, same hymn sheet. So then the next aspect of it, like you say, is to talk them through what restorations might need doing, for example. But what you're saying to them is, if we're making some of these realistic changes and making concerted effort on it at home, then actually what we can do is we can put the fire out at home. If you had a fire in your house and I came along and I thought I was very clever and did all your replastering, your new facade, your new patio, and you still had a fire going on at home, and by the way, here's the kicker you're walking around at the moment with matches and a jerry can of petrol, <laughs> my plastering's not gonna work very well. So, really, what we need to do and focus on is putting out the fire. And yes, step by step, working through these high-priority teeth, what I'd suggest we do is maybe deal with the teeth with the biggest holes, because they're the ones that could then jeopardise the future health of this tooth. See, what you see here, I'll show them an x-ray maybe at this point, and I would say what you can see here with this big filling is that it's very deep and close to the nerve in the tooth, and that living part of the tooth, we ideally want to stay alive. If we leave that as it is right now, the chances are that it will turn into some more treatment, which is financially costly and biologically not as ideal. Mm -hmm. By the way, as you've sussed out before, when you have a root filling in a tooth, it's often the case that you need something on the surface as well, like a crown, to mechanically protect it. So all of our teeth in all of our mouths, we're trying to keep them biologically sound and we're trying to make them mechanically strong. And you need to think about every tooth in each one of those ways. And then people start to get it and they go, okay, I can't afford to do all of that right now, but maybe we should do with that top right that's cool with me, no trouble at all. Then
1: they get to experience the way yeah. you do dentistry and yeah. the rubber dam, they'll love it, yeah. the painless anaesthesia, the way you look after them, the yeah. aftercare, then eventually they'll get round to it. And uh, by the and way, I think,
0: yeah. even if they don't necessarily get round to it in the first 6-12 months, because you've got it in black and white and you've talked about the treatment plan, I ref- I have on my, I've got three or four screens, <laughs> three screens and one screen on the wall around me, <laughs> with digital everything. and. Um, we will put that treatment plan in front of them every single time they walk in. So at every stage of the process, they know what Mm. they're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. I don't need to talk about the the fees, but they've already agreed them beforehand. And they can see them on the screen, and I, I will point out to them. So my ideal plan for today is this.
1: Thank you for joining me everyone the next episode we have Barry Alton okay he's the part of the Confident Dentist seminars he is sensational what I love about Barry and I'll share loads more with you is basically he's someone who's passionate about parafunction, parafunction control, tooth wear uh, and managing forces if you like and also he's a fantastic communicator he teaches communication so uh, we're going to marry those two together about how to communicate with the bruxist. so stay, stay tuned. For the episode of Barry Alton coming very soon thank you very much for listening uh, drop me a like on the Facebook page check out the website for resources I'm always updating as much as possible uh, and thank you so much for listening